This episode comes out on November 3rd, which is Election Day in the United States. So if you are listening on November 3rd, I have a message for you. If you are registered and have not yet voted, please do so today. If you love someone who is a person of color, gay, trans, or a woman, disabled, an immigrant, you cannot still love them if you vote for someone who will actively work to harm them with their policies and rhetoric. Now, Biden is also not my initial pick, but I feel confident that Biden and Harris can lead us to a better future for this country. Now I'd like to speak to those of you that don't think your vote matters, because it does. It so, so matters, because we have to win big this year. Maybe you don't think you need to vote because you see polls saying that Biden is winning. I was comforted by those same polls in 2016 about Clinton. So go to IWillVote.com to find more information about voting in your state. Bring some headphones and listen to this episode in case the line is long. Wear a mask, of course. Bring a snack. Bring a buddy. Do whatever you gotta do to get there and stay there because your vote matters. Remember, even the smallest person can change the course of the future. So what happens after this episode comes out? I don't know. We will likely be waiting for all votes to be counted for a few days at least. So if you're listening now during that time period, hang in there, be patient, and be kind to yourself and others. Now that's all out of the way. Enjoy the pod. Vote, please. From WBNE. Hello and welcome to episode 70, all about Fellowship of the Ring, extended edition being the 70th part of That's What I'm Talking About. My name is Mary Clay. If that's too complicated for you, just call me MC. And today I'm joined once again by Buddy and Alice of Those Happy Places and also like a bunch of other stuff that they do. So welcome <laughs> back, guys. So good to be here. Yeah. When you asked us to come back for this episode, uh, we couldn't have been more overjoyed. It is amazing to be back because here we are to talk about literally my favorite movie in the trilogy. Really? Uh, and yes, mine too. <laughs> my favorite version of the movie in the trilogy. Oh, per- yes, mine too. <laughs> I, lis- listeners, I I planned this exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly what I planned for. Um, that's that's really awesome to hear because I, I know for a lot of people, Fellowship of the Ring is their least favorite <gasps> and some people don't like the extended editions or, you know, whatever. So I'm glad that like I hit both of those, you know, two birds with one stone kind of a situation, I guess. No. This movie has everything that I could possibly ever want in a movie. And that it's my, it's, it is in my top five favorite films ever made ever. Just Fellowship. I mean, like the whole trilogy is... Like, number one, probably. It's. I think it's a perfect movie, personally. Yeah, I, I guess there is no trilogy of movies as consistently made as the Lord of the Rings trilogy, in mm-hmm. my opinion. Like, not that I've ever seen anyways. I'm sure I've already asked you guys to tell me a bit about, like, how you got into Lord of the Rings. Can you talk a bit about, like, like what are your memories of watching the movies for the first time? Did you go see it in the theaters? Were you older when you watched them and you watched them at home? What was that like when you first watched the movie? Well, by the time I was ready to watch the movies, because I demanded to read the books first, and the books took me a really long time to get through. Uh, I was 11 when I picked up Fellowship. Um, the movie was releasing in theaters while I, when I started to read the books. And it took me so long to finish the books that um, Return of the King was in theaters by the time I finished. So I had to watch Fellowship in Two Towers on DVD at home. 
And then I got to see Return of the King in in, in theaters. That was uh, and That's that was pretty epic, though. So special and so important. And that was the first time I can remember thinking there's something missing now. I've dedicated so many years of my life <laughs> to something so important and so grand and special. And now it's just like it's there's no more of it. There's mm-hmm. nothing more. And then of course I I discovered the Silmarillion and everything and dove right back in. But <laughs> but yeah, the only one I saw in theaters was Return of the King. Uh, the other ones I had to rent from Blockbuster. Oh, <laughs> classic, classic. Mm-hmm. What about uh, you, buddy? Yeah, I saw I saw the movies in theaters as they were coming out, and I arrived to the books later. The only book that I read before seeing them as movies was uh, The Hobbit. Uh, So I had a sense of like Tolkien's writing style and what the world of Middle Earth was like. I I knew what a hobbit was. Yet these movies coming out became events. After all three films came out and those boxed DVD sets started to come out (sighs) with the extended editions, they became the only way that I ever watched the movies. Same. Um, Same. And so the extended editions have utterly stripped the theatrical cuts from my mind, uh, <laughs> which which made studying for this episode a little difficult, actually. Mm-hmm. And what I noticed while watching it was I wasn't feeling the absence of the extended edition scenes. The theatrical cut is still perfectly serviceable. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't have some of those things that... I guess my brain just started to fill in the blanks. Yeah. Yeah, I would say that's kind of like my general thoughts on watching the extended edition is that like everything that was new to me um, because this was because I watched theatrical and then extended because I figured it would be easier. I was like, it'll be easier for my brain to understand like what was added than do the reverse of it. But even that was still really difficult. I'll, I'll talk in a second about like how I ended up watching these t- in order to like take notes and like cover it, which is maddening what I did. <laughs> but um, my general thoughts are like, oh, yeah, that was a cool scene. But I think it works perfectly fine without it. And therefore, I understand why they cut it. There was only like one or two parts where I was like, oh, I genuinely wish they had kept this part in. And I think it would have made the movie better. And I think that's also kind of like generally what we'll be discussing when we talk about these scenes is like, did it hurt the theatrical edition by taking it out? Did it help it? What was the purpose of cutting it out? Was there something that another scene accomplished, which is why this was cut out? So those are the kinds of things that we'll get into in this episode. Oh, yeah. Okay. So the way that I... So it didn't occur to me in my like dumb brain. In my mind, I was like, oh, extended edition. That means there's... So there's 30 extra minutes of content. Oh, okay. That means that there's maybe like five to seven extra scenes that were cut in full. It didn't occur to me that there would be like random one-liners in a in a full scene that was cut. So I had to like throw out the window this idea of like, oh, I'll just put on extended edition and I'll fast forward through the things I recognize. (laughs) I know that sounds very painful to everyone listening. It's like, you fast forward through fellowship. I've watched this a million times by now. Okay. (laughs) Don't come for me. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, but it doesn't work like that, huh? <laughs> yeah. You can't do that. Yeah, it was it was difficult. So I first watched the whole thing. And then today, which is I had to text uh, or I had to message Buddy and Alice and was like, can we push it back half an hour? Because I have like woefully misinterpreted my time today, basically, and how I'm spending it. And I eventually I pulled up the theatrical edition on my laptop and I had the extended edition on my TV and I had them running at the same time. You because maniac. <laughs> because <laughs> there are certain scenes that I genuinely during extent during my first watch of extended edition, I was following along, which I should say, I'll be referencing this list a lot. It's from one wiki to rule them all. The article title is the Lord of the Rings extended edition. And it lists all of the scenes that are either extended or added. And I was following along with this list. And it would be like, it says the prologue was extended, but I literally cannot tell the difference. And so I pulled them up side by side. And then eventually one of them would get out of sync. And I'm like, oh, that's where it was added or extended or whatever yes i am insane thank you no you're right (laughs) though like that that has to be one of the only ways to really know every little thing that was added because some of it is practically invisible it's not enough to watch just the theatrical cut and then watch the extended cut and feel like you really got a difference a 30 minutes difference experience i guess you'll feel the half hour at the end of the movie. But like, do you really notice it as it's happening? Not really, because the difference in the prologue is, I guess we see Isildur die in more detail. Yeah, so that'll, yeah, so that'll bring us to our first scene, which is the prologue. And that's literally it, is there you see a little bit more of that battle sequence and you see him get shot. And that's all that it is. Dies like a punk. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, what? Like, I understand why they cut it, I guess, because they're watching the prologue. They're like, guys, this is so long. We have to cut literally anything we can. But it's also (laughs) at a point of like, really, did that five seconds do a lot? And I guess it adds up over time. But like, I mean, one way or another, it doesn't matter. It is what it is. The first major change, though, is what is called Concerning Hobbits. Extended edition opens, so we do the prologue, great, fade to black, and then bring up, and then you get the title, The Fellowship of the Ring. And in the theatrical edition, it pulls up on Frodo, and he's reading, and then Gandalf comes in, and then we launch into, you know, the story. Extended edition, it brings up on Bilbo, and he's writing The Hobbit, and he's, like, thinking about where to start, and he goes into narration about what the hobbits are like and it's so cute (laughs) yeah i i love this edition because nobody knows what a hobbit is going into this and you you do get a sense of it just texturally over the course of the movie but like longer time spent in hobbiton is fine with me I'm always here for that level of detail. Yeah, there's a. I would say there's a lot of people who would who would agree with you because the reason I would say people who say that Fellowship of the Ring is their favorite, it's their favorite because of the Shire stuff. Yeah, it's so sweet. It's ultimate like cottagecore goodness. It's so cozy and and adorable and that slice of life as it like pans through Hobbiton, you know, with the guy trying to make the pig walk down the street and, and like with their drinking the ale cask that he's balancing on his shoulder and all of that. It's sweet. And it's, it's a good way to get 
started. Mm -hmm. Like, it makes the stakes feel really high later when you realize how far the hobbits have gone from home. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So I would have to disagree with that. So as much as I love, like, I I enjoyed it. And I was like, oh, this is fun. We get more of the hobbits. This is a lot more stuff from the books that we get to learn about. I really like how they opened up in the theatrical edition instead. Because when you open up on Bilbo doing this narration and he's writing The Hobbit, it feels like it's going to be his story, but it's not. And so I like how in the theatrical edition, it just opens up on Frodo reading a book because it's his story. And we're here, you know, to follow what his adventure is because Bilbo's journey is over. He's done and and now it's Frodo's turn. And I also think that you don't necessarily need to know the things that you learn about The Hobbit in this scene because you pick those things up along the way throughout the rest of the movie and you're kind of able to piece together who the hobbits are and like what and what they're like and it's more of a there's actually a scene later uh, at the Green Dragon that I really liked because it was more of a show so Bilbo doing this narration for concerning hobbits is a tell rather than show moment and then when they're at the dream at the dream what am, what words am I saying? <laughs> At the Green Dragon, it's more of a show rather than tell situation, which they, you know, theoretically say is better. Whatever. I, I, I would say that I, I love the Dream Dragon and I would like to drink there. Um, I've already been there. Can't you tell? I've had a couple <laughs> ales already. Uh, Clearly. A counter argument that I, I might give is that I love the connection to the literary here, though, right? Like mm-hmm. these, this is an adaption or an adaptation of a book that everybody said could not be adapted into the film format. So that connection to the story being ongoing and written by the characters in the story, I think is neat. And there's other connections in this and other movies to characters writing things as they happen and chronicling stories, right? Like, there and Back Again is a book that we'll eventually see. Yeah, it kind of feels like Tolkien's talking to us through the screen a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like, this is Tolkien, and this is what's important to him. The tradition, the storytelling tradition. But I but I took notes, too. Um, <laughs> it's probably too long. It's pro- There's probably yeah. too much. Yeah. And I think that's I think that's also ultimately another reason why they cut this scene and went with what they did for the theatrical version is because you have eight minutes of the prologue being narrated by Galadriel. And then it's like, oh, no, we're going to have another five minutes or whatever of Bilbo narrating more exposition. (laughs) And so I think at that point, they're like, we just have to cut it. And we just need to start the story rather than just basically like a fire hose to the mouth trying to give people (laughs) exposition. And it's more like, are people going to be woefully confused if we don't give them the prologue exposition? Maybe. Are they going to be woefully confused if we don't give them the concerning hobbits exposition? Not really. So we'll cut that instead. For sure. There's one part of the Bilbo exposition that I think should not have been cut cut it could have maybe been inserted like in a different part of the of the movie the part where bilbo thinks his ring is missing for a moment and freaks out 
And it's like, is it in this pocket? Is it in this pocket? Where is it? And shuffling around and like panicking because he doesn't know where the ring is. I think that's super important because I don't think that the movie spends enough time talking about um, any of the movies really don't spend enough time talking about like what the burden of having the ring in your possession, like what that means Uh, for a lot of the movie. People make fun of Frodo a lot for like, oh, it's so heavy. It's such a burden, you know, and and. And, of, you know, because of course it is. It's this horrible, heavy burden. But you you don't really see, I think, without... You get, like, a little bit when Bilbo's like, it's my precious, you know? But it kind of comes out of nowhere without the scene where he can't find it and he finds it in his pocket. When he's, like, so concerned that it's missing because it, he's obsessed with it. See, that's really interesting you bring that up because that was a point I wrote down as being, like, we don't need this moment because... To me, I was able to gather that information from scenes later on where there's a lot of back and forth where he's like, oh, yeah, I left the ring for Bilbo on the mantelpiece. And Gandalf is like, no, you didn't. Yeah. And then uh, he, you know, is like, why shouldn't I use the ring? And and he's like, Gandalf, you want to take it for yourself. I'm not going to let you do that. And he has them. You see him kind of look like Gollum when he starts like rubbing it and it's calling it my precious and you see that concern flash across Gandalf's face uh later on when he's with Frodo and Rivendell and he goes scary Bilbo yeah (laughs) exactly I think um I think those are moments where I was able to like pick up all of that um without this scene yeah I guess I just want more because I'm so tired of people trashing Frodo all the time (laughs) because of oh it's a burden like look I mean Bilbo had it for 50 years and, you know, sat on it all this time. And how could it not affect him, you know? Yeah. And then um, as it does eventually cut to Frodo, as it opens up in the theatrical edition where he's reading, Gandalf comes in, they have this conversation and it cuts back and forth between Bilbo doing more narration. And then this was where um, I re- I saw a change in theatrical edition with my like side by side playings. They gave some of Bilbo's narration lines to Gandalf as he tells Fro as he's talking to Frodo on the cart. And I was like, oh, okay, that's where because at first I was like, oh, did they did they just cut all of this? What's going on? Um, so they gave some of that stuff to Gandalf. I guess Ian McKellen came in later in the process and did a voiceover because you don't actually see him saying it because it's like a wide shot as they're moving through the Shire. And he gets to, Gandalf goes to Bilbo's, and then there's a little, this scene is called Very Old Friends, and there's like a tiny addition, which uh, this is something I wish they had kept in. It brings in the Saxville Baggins, <laughs> and uh, the, you find out the person knocking on the door is a Saxville Baggins, and Bilbo is hiding from them, and you're like, what the heck's going on? And then there's a moment later on at the party, too, where Frodo and Bilbo hide from them, and I just, I really love that, because that was just such a funny part of reading the books, and it would have been also a fun Easter egg moment for people watching the movie who had read the books. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think Hobbit politics is is fascinating. Yes, I, I feel I feel a, a huge kinship with Gandalf and Tolkien, but like the fascination with the little idiosyncrasies of Hobbit politics and like the Saxville Bagginses and the Shire Bagginses are basically the same right and yet there's this long-standing <laughs> feud and they don't want to share they're, they're all concerned with inheritances and stuff like that we get plenty of that in the books 
maybe too much. Oh, it's so good. No, it's never. No, no, no. It's, <laughs> that was like one of the only things in the beginning of the very beginning of the book when it's like kind of dragging on and there's just so much exposition. That was like the parts that I really enjoyed reading when Frodo is assigned to giving out Bilbo's will and you find out Bilbo's will is throwing so much shade at all of the Saxville backends. Yeah, so I guess in general with this like the Shire concerning hobbits stuff. It is nice to have that, or at least for me, it is nice to have that extra stuff from the books and get that additional background information about the hobbits. But for me, there's a lot of stuff that I'm able to infer throughout the rest of the movie that makes this stuff not needed and then I also think it it does flow a lot better without constantly cutting back and forth between Bilbo or oh my god so many names what are their names Frodo and Gandalf (laughs) Frodo and Gandalf talking on the cart and people setting up the party in the Shire and then you have to cut back to Bilbo and he's doing something and then you cut back to Frodo and Gandalf but there's still Bilbo narration so I think in general it it still it flows really nicely and it moves the story along in the theatrical edition without this stuff. It's definitely cleaner. Um, mm-hmm. But I would I wouldn't trade it away. <laughs> That's yeah. why I, I like I understand that. Yeah. Yeah. Part of part of what I love about the extended editions is that they got crunchier. They're not as easy to watch, and and I don't know. That's like an acquired. Maybe it's Stockholm syndrome. Maybe it's like, well, this is all <laughs> we've ever had, and it's good, right? But I don't know. I feel like that extra detail, that slowness, is so appreciated because Lord of the Rings, especially Fellowship of the Ring became my like rainy day movie uh and that's what i love about these other little details it's just like it just makes the thing take longer and that's fine (laughs) yeah from like a filmmaker's perspective the extended editions are nightmares (laughs) they're so (laughs) long they're so long and it adds pacing in places where you don't need it and you take away the momentum from scenes that do. I'm not going to claim that the Fellowship Extended Edition is a, like, could have won more Oscars or been, you know, like, (laughs) been a better, quote unquote, better film. But for me, it's a better experience. You turn it into, like, it's raining right now where I am. And (laughs) the idea of curling up to watch this long, rambly story being laid out in front of me sounds so nice and comforting. It could be Stockholm Syndrome. Yeah, no, that's, um, that sounds pretty on par. I've been getting like a lot of weird, sometimes passive aggressive comments about the fact that I covered the theatrical editions at all. Because there are, oh, this is weird. a very intense point of discussion that I've, that I've found for the Lord of the Rings fandom. It's very like jarring to me because by and large the Lord of the Rings fandom is more wholesome and kind than any other fandom I've experienced and pretty much everyone is like oh yeah like you have your own opinions I have my own opinions you want Aragorn to be with Eowyn I want him to be with Arwen whatever whatever but when it comes to the movies literally everyone's like extended edition or just don't watch it don't waste (laughs) your time and I'm like you know what like I need to understand what were the producers what were the directors presenting to those first audiences in 2001 and 2002 and 2003. It is also more helpful to cover the extended editions, having this knowledge of what the theatrical editions are like. 
Absolutely. I don't know. Basically, listeners, back off. I'm doing the extended (laughs) editions finally, so just stop giving me crap. MC is a completionist. That's the nature of this project. It it is all about getting everything. I literally, yeah. So I have the like box set of the extended editions that um my dad doing such a like such a dad thing to do. Where back in the day, I say back in the day, 20 years ago in the 2000s, he would just like buy DVDs. If it was on sale, he'd be like, I got all of the Harry Potter movies on DVD. Walmart had a sale. And we're all like, great. We didn't need that, but okay, thanks. And that's what he did with Lord of the Rings. They got the regular, you know, theatrical editions on DVD. And it's so funny when you look at it because it says like widescreen. Uh, Yep. Which was a thing, children, that movies used to not have. (laughs) You could buy a wide or full screen version of the. You could buy some discs that had full screen on one side and And widescreen on on the the other. other. And yeah. it would work different. It would work better or different on different TVs, which are yeah. now useless relics of a bygone era. Oh, it's all <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I have the extended edition box set. It's the Blu-rays, however, which is also Ooh. a useless invention of a bygone era. <laughs> oh my God, screw Blu-ray. Anyway, and so as I pull it, you know, the the DVD menu comes up. It plays the first disc. It ends. And then it was like, do you want to watch with commentary now? And I was like, oh, of course there's commentary, (laughs) which is fine. I love commentary. I'm sure I will watch it eventually. But also just talking about how like this is a completionist podcast. I think there are limits. So I will. I'm putting that out there now. There are like two extra DVD sets for each of the movies for extended yes, edition. Yes, the appendices. Yeah, the appendices. I'm not going to be covering the appendices on the podcast. I, I, I can respect that decision, but some fans will tell you that the appendices are what make the movies as special as I they are. I know. And like, I'm sure I'll watch them in my own You time. have to. Don't skip them. They're so delightful. But maybe you don't need to make podcasts about them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> maybe down the road... I will do episodes that use information taken from the appendices, but I'm not just going to do a special episode about the appendices or about the commentary versions. And I'm not going to do like, oh, commentary for theatrical version versus commentary for extended edition. (laughs) Oh, could you imagine? It is madness. It is madness. So anyway. with 10,000 men, could you do such a thing? (laughs) Back to... (laughs) Back to this extended edition. Oh, my God. I'm losing my mind. Okay, so at the long-expected party, this is an extended scene as well. And there's, like, two editions that make it extended. One is there's this family that walks in, and a mom has, like, a bunch of hobbit children. And Bilbo (laughs) goes, oh, are those all yours? And she's like, yeah. And he goes, oh, well, you have been productive. And I was like, what a weird line. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Okay, Bilbo. All right. Uh, That was interesting. What an interesting addition. And then, as I mentioned earlier, they see the Saxville Baggins and Bilbo pulls Frodo aside to hide. I really do like this moment. It's so sweet. Because it is kind of, the, it's the only thing, basically, of Bilbo talking to Frodo before he leaves, which is what he told Gandalf he would do, by the way. Gandalf was like, are you going to tell Frodo before all of this? And he's like, yeah. And then in theatrical edition world, he doesn't at all. And he just disappears and Frodo comes back and it's like, oh, I guess he left. So this is kind of, you know, Bilbo's way of saying goodbye without really Frodo knowing exactly what's going on. I think he even says, like, have you had a couple ales already or whatever? And he's like, Um, no, 
I mean, yeah, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's like, well, I mean, yes, but that's not why I'm telling you this. Um, but it is a really sweet moment. But again, I get why they cut it, because if they cut the earlier Saxville bag and stuff, they had to cut this because that wouldn't have made any sense without like the earlier context. So again, I understand it. Yeah. So the next scene is at the Dream Dragon, whatever I said <laughs> earlier. <laughs> And this is where I propose a change to the theatrical edition. I would say that you could cut all of the the concerning Hobbit stuff that happens in the extended edition. But if you add in this scene, I think that adds a lot more to the Hobbits and it accomplishes a lot of what Bilbo talks about in his narration as he's talking about the Hobbits. Yes. Um, and it's more of a it's more of a show rather than tell thing. They're at the pub in the Shire or in Hobbiton and you see Marion Pippin doing a song and dance and everyone's having a good time. And then the like old Hobbits are all sitting at a table Again, the politics of the hobbits is just so fun. And they're uh they're like talking about Bilbo being crazy and they are kind of talking about how they're hearing word of things outside the Shire changing and happening and talking about how like oh that's terrible those outside things like no one should ever leave the shire adventures are dumb and then frodo walks up and is like oh you guys ha 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 whatever <laughs> and then that's essentially the scene oh actually and then as they're all leaving the the pub um some of the men are flirting with rosie and sam doesn't like that at all yeah. <laughs> and sam was like watch who you're sweet talking to or something like that <laughs> And Frodo says, oh, don't worry, Sam. Rosie knows an idiot when she sees one. And Sam goes like, really? <laughs> so I love that moment of, of him giving Sam, you know, a little hope that like, don't worry, buddy, you still have a chance. It's so sweet. I agree that the scene is amazing. <laughs> and uh, yeah. the, you were, you're totally right about a show don't tell as much as I want a tell. Uh, this show <laughs> is so nice. I want to state here to continue for the rest of this episode that it is a travesty how many songs they cut from the theatrical editions. It is a tragedy. <laughs> All right, now, now hang on there. <laughs> because I hated basically so many of the songs in the books. I, I think it's a, it needs to be a happy medium because it's a bit ridiculous in the books. Like you turn a page and there's a song. Yeah. And then in the movies, it's like, what songs? There's no singing at the North Pole. <laughs> there's no singing in the Shire. You know, that's the elf joke or elf meme that <laughs> yeah. someone shared with me. There's no singing in Norfolk. Yes, there is. No, it's not. We sing all the time. No, it's not. The extended editions, I guess, are kind of a happy medium, but uh, not too many songs for More me, please. More songs. <laughs> <laughs> and the problem with reading songs is, is they're tuneless, right? You're just reading lyrics, and it's it's not easy to enjoy or fun to listen to or meaningfully entertaining in a way other than reading them. And I, f I feel like, especially in the Dream Dragon, um, <laughs> we get this just amazing snippet of who Merry and Pippin are, what hobbits do when they're having fun and relaxing. Yeah, like you said, like a greater idea of the, of the culture. I feel like this introduces Mary, Pippin, Sam, and Frodo as a group of four friends that could do stuff together. And it establishes just so much 
so efficiently. Yeah, I agree. Again, I understand. I'm going to say it five billion times. I understand why they cut it because it is a, a good chunk of time and you don't necessarily need it. Like the rest of the movie makes complete sense without it. And you kind of keep the the flow of the movie going when you don't have this scene. But yeah, it's really great. So this, I would say this is like the first time where I'm like, I think it, the movie would have been better with this scene. Yes, I agree. So the next scene that is of worth to talk about is it's called The Passing of the Elves. Mm. And this is really interesting. So first of all, watch the scene I'm like oh this is great but how the heck does Sam and Frodo even know what's going on they're hobbits they're not supposed to know anything of the outside world how do they know what the elves are doing and where they're going and what it is that they're do- you know so what happens is Sam and Frodo they've already set out by themselves Gandalf has said goodbye to them this scene is it's really great context for what happens later they see this huge company of elves they're like being ethereal creatures as they always are and humming and singing or whatever as they go yeah they cut another song (laughs) (laughs) sam is like oh what's that and frodo says oh it's the elves they're going to the gray havens they're leaving this world this is great context and also foreshadowing for things that happened in return of the king And I think it would have paid off really well had they kept this. Because Frodo even said, he says, I don't know why, but it makes me sad. And I'm like, ooh, you're going to feel that times a billion (laughs) in like, you know, five years from now, Frodo. Yeah, it's so sweet. And it's really nice because later when they're in Rivendell and Frodo's like, Sam, I thought you wanted to see elves. This is like a little tease for Sam to be like, oh my God, real elves. They're right there. Like, wow. Yeah, I I, I guess because they don't establish like the book does that Frodo like can speak a little elvish and gets all the stories he can from Bilbo talking about the elves and the undying lands and all of that he would have like known that from Bilbo but the movie doesn't like give us that context I don't know is that I guess I never thought about when I was reading how exactly Frodo learns of Grey Havens and the undying lands is that this is I Bilbo don't... nonsense <laughs> I never got the impression that he learned all of that from Bilbo or that it wasn't until much later that maybe Gandalf told him about it or something. Because I think Bilbo's kind of notorious for having, like, crazy guests over. They mention it in the books that, like, every once in a while a dwarf will come by and, like, visit. And he, he's he got all those books and he just reads. Uh, I think Bilbo just knows more than the average hobbit. And that was part of what made Bilbo and Frodo such bosom buddies in the first place is that like nobody really understands them except for each other right and I think a part of why Bilbo adopts Frodo and like takes him on this kid Frodo is he's smart and he's curious and he wants to know the stories and Frodo says it in Rivendell like I used to imagine that I was off on on an adventure with you on one of on one of your adventures Mm mm-hmm Oh, and then also in this scene, there's like, a I don't know what was the purpose of it, but there's a whole sequence of Sam being like, I can't fall asleep, Frodo. (laughs) There's a root in my back. I can't get comfortable. And Frodo's like, just pretend you're on a nice bed. I think that's it. (laughs) I think I think it's to demonstrate like the scale of what this adventure is going to do to Frodo and Sam. First night out on the road, <laughs> Sam can't fall asleep. Oh, a root, poor guy. They're going to be sleeping on razor sharp rocks 
surrounded by lava and orcs <laughs> in like a month. <laughs> I guess that's true. Yeah, yeah. So according to one wiki to rule them all, the next extended scene, it just says the Nazgul. And I can't, I like honestly couldn't tell if this was when the Nazgul are sniffing out the hobbits when they're hiding under the tree, if it's when they're chasing them, or if it's later on because the next scene that they give is the Midgewater marshes which happens after they leave Bree with Aragorn so it happens at some point between that so I have zero idea what part of the extended version is the Nazgul I have zero idea what this is referring to so extra Nazgul just extra Nazgul I guess more action I guess we could always use more of those screechy dudes what float around and stab people yeah just a little bit more perfect yeah yeah so the next extended scene is called the Midgewater marshes in they've teamed up with Aragorn and they're traveling and they walk through marshes that there are like all these bugs that are attacking them and then as they're camping out it's a great character moment for Aragorn and I love it and it foreshadows and kind of hints at stuff and it's also um, another song that gets cut because another song that gets cut that's true yeah it's a uh, it's book content that they included here he is like humming a song and singing a song or whatever Frodo's like uh, who is that you sing of and he says that it is the tale of a an elf who fell in love with a mortal man baron and how they you know were together and it didn't end well kind of you know ooh, foreshadowing (laughs) and it's also funny to me that in the books the only reference or understanding or foreshadowing basically you get of Aragorn and Arwen's relationship is this moment like this is basically it and then there's maybe one point in Rivendell where they like look at each other and then the next time you see them they get married so (laughs) it's funny to me that like there are like two moments in the books that are about Arwen and Aragorn and they cut one of those two moments from the movie so I just thought that was that was interesting yeah since it takes such a such a central role in Aragorn's character growth in the films. Like, that becomes his arc, right? Yeah, they spent so much, we spent so much time with Arwen in the films, and I think to the film's benefit. I think the films really benefit from more Arwen, if not just because more women. Um, Oh, you're not gonna like what I say about her. (laughs) I mean... Look, we've all got our opinions. I just think it's clean when, like, Arwen comes in instead of Glorfindel, for example. And and they're like, oh, look, we have a chance to put at least one woman in these movies. Let's yeah. take it. <laughs> and they take it. And, and there are, are definitely criticisms to be had. But I think that by putting Arwen at the center of Aragorn's arc. It deepens Aragorn's connection to the elves and to his like lineage, to his background. And it, I, th- I think it makes movie Aragorn more compelling and more relatable. And the scene shouldn't have been cut. <laughs> <laughs> That's just because it has a song in it. <laughs> no. So the next scene is called Flight to the Ford that is extended. Again, I could not tell what was extended about it. I did my like side by side thing from the moment where Arwen is like, you know, I can go faster. Let me go. And Aragorn's like, okay. And Sam's like, what are you doing? There's still ring wraiths out there. And then going all the way through Frodo waking up in Rivendell and literally nothing was different. So I don't know if this was maybe a mistake on one wiki or if I just missed something I don't know (laughs) maybe there was like 
a millisecond that was cut out from theatrical. <laughs> I have no so, idea. <laughs> I, I cannot. No I cannot say. I agree. Yeah. So the next scene that is definitely different, very different, actually, from theatrical, the sword that was broken. In extended edition, we get very different vibes from Boromir because there's this moment where he sees Aragorn sitting there reading and he's like, oh, hi, who are you? And Aragorn's like, oh, I'm a friend of Gandalf. And Boromir's like, oh, cool. Nice to meet you. It starts off on a much lighter foot than when you cut that out. In theatrical edition, it goes from Boromir looking up at this mural of Isildur and the sword and everything that happened. And then he turns around and looks at the shards of Narsil. And then he looks up at Aragorn and they just have like an, you know, a stare down basically. And like no words are exchanged between them for a while. And then eventually Boromir stabs himself with Narsil <laughs> and Aragorn. They have, it's like a very weird tense scene in the theatrical version. An extended edition. Hey, what's up? I'm Boromir. Hi, not an elf. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it establishes a, an entirely different tone to their relationship where, mm-hmm. where I feel it makes it easier to believe Boromir's death in the movie because Boromir dies basically acknowledging Aragorn's authority. My brother, my captain, my king, their Ooh. kinship is totally solidified in that little moment. Maybe the idea was that it was more powerful to see Boromir go from I know who you are, and it makes me jealous, even though you're not saying anything about it. And that makes me even more mad. That's like the vibe I get off of Boromir. But he doesn't he know who Aragorn. he is. He yeah, doesn't know, but later. he like feels it. He's he, like, no, I'm worthy he has of this. To be, no, because he, he has to be told in the Council of Elrond. Yeah, and he like insults him. And, you know, Legolas does that. That is no mere ranger. That's that Aragorn, Aragorn, son of Aragorn. Have a dialogue. He's like, yeah. this is Aragorn? Hell no. <laughs> like, that, that <laughs> this ain't This is your it. king? Gondor has no king. Gondor, Gondor needs, no needs king. Which is king. why it, it's extremely powerful that his last words are my king, because he's Ugh. finally, you know, acknowledging that. It's cool, guys. Just rip my heart out of my chest. I am. Um, so, yeah, I have a lot of weird feelings about, I don't know how, if I'm going to explain this correctly. This is how it makes sense in my brain. Because they cut this scene of them having having this like somewhat friendly whatever introduction, they were also able to cut basically the rest of the Boromir Aragorn scenes that happen in extended edition. Yes. Because in theatrical world, if you open up and you have this weird tense moment between Aragorn and Boromir, you don't need any more of the other weird tense moments between Boromir and Aragorn that happen in the extended editions. Right. There's a, the scene in Lothlorien uh, where Aragorn has to tell Boromir, like, I'm not going anywhere near your city. Well, that's later on, actually. That's when they're on they're the Great the River. boats. I'm picturing yeah. the boats. Yeah. When you cut this scene, you kind of have to cut that scene. They're related. And my notes in here, I was like, any extended scene of Aragorn and Boromir meeting feels, they feel connected and they feel like necessary. I love their drama. Anything missing from their relationship, I think is a bad cut. I think that we ne- we should have more Aragorn and Boromir at odds. Interesting. See, again, I feel like I get a lot about their relationship. I already get that from the scenes that happen in the theatrical edition. This weird stare down they have before the Council of Elrond, everything that happens during the Council of Elrond. Their scene where they're kind of, they're more on the same page when they're talking in Lorien and they're yeah. talking about Boromir seems a, m- a lot more friendly 
Tully with Aragorn. He's like, one day we'll return the Lords of Gondor, you know, again, at the very end when Boromir is dying. I get a lot of that arc from that. It is definitely more, you know, pared down, though. There's a lot less new nu- nuance not nuisance i have a cross stitch <laughs> of of fool of a took throw yourself in next time and then you will be no further nuisance right in front of me <laughs> so i said nuisance instead of nuance anyway and really i feel like th- that's what the extended editions do specifically for boromir is we can understand his fall from grace better Ooh. because we understand his his whole deal with more detail. Yeah, so that'll bring us to our next extended scene, which is in the Council of Elrond. Honestly, I I was kind of expecting for the Council of Elrond, I thought it would be a lot longer. I thought it would be (laughs) given like everything that goes down in the book. Um, which I think that was that was when y'all came on the first it time, right? Was. Yeah, that was that was our episode. And yeah, I maintain that both versions of the Council of Elrond are basically perfect encapsulations of that entire scene in the novel. Yeah, it's it's done so well with such atmosphere and such style. I love it. It is yeah. a great it's a great scene in the film, and it's a really good length as it is. Uh, yeah, and the only bit that gets trimmed out of it is Boromir talking about so, his dream. Yeah, so Bor so. So the thing that gets cut, and this is something that for the rest of the extended edition of Fellowship of the Ring, if there's any additional Boromir content that was cut, you can bet it was something where they were just making sure to really drive it home, really hammer it in that, hey, this dude's going to betray everyone by the end of this movie. (laughs) Like very heavy handed foreshadowing that this dude, he's in it for the wrong reasons and it's going to come back to kick us in the ass. Frodo puts the ring down and then Boromir stands up and is like, I had a dream, blah, 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 blah. Let's use it for Gondor. And Gandalf starts speaking magic at him or whatever, you know, yelling at him. It is the black speech of Mordor, (laughs) which has not been heard in Rivendell in thousands of years. And Gandalf was being way out of line when he he did that. Being so extra. He gets very intense. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Isn't it the the inscription on the ring? Is that what, isn't that what he's saying? No, I think he's just cussing Boromir out. (laughs) (laughs) It's just, I I think it's a cool moment, but uh, I don't know how much it adds no yeah other than to make gandalf scary again which we already kind of got with bilbo scary gandalf exists just below the surface and we know that so to see it again is a little superfluous yeah it also so in the extended edition it makes boromir's you know iconic line tis a gift you know it or does he say it is a gift in my brain he just says tis it a gift it is a gift to the enemies of mortal um, it, <laughs> yeah it's a lot less random because in the theatrical edition frodo puts the ring down there's a beat of silence and then boromir just goes it is a gift and so you're like okay that's random <laughs> all right <laughs> but in extended edition it's a response basically to to, I think something that Gimli says. So it's a lot less random. So so when you have that cut, no wonder it was made into a meme. Because <laughs> it's just like really jarring it out of place. And then the rest of the Council of Elrond is, is normal. Which, I, again, I thought something else would pop up, but it didn't. Uh, so the next scene is an added scene. Uh, I don't know how to say it. Gil Rayan, Gil Rayan, something. It's Aragorn's mom. I've only ever read it. I've never heard it said aloud. G-I-L-R-A-E-N. How would we guess that? Gil, Gil Rayan. Uh, I'm going to try and do a Vigo here. I'm going to try and speak with a Middle-Earthian accent. Uh-huh. <clears throat> Gil Rayan. <laughs> 
Yeah, that's good. No, that's that's too much of a tongue roll. It's but... a little a little too gimly, but we, that's right. But we, but we get it. <laughs> anyway, he's at her memorial. He's at her grave. It is. Again, another nice character moment for him. So he is visiting her, whatever. Elrond comes up and is like, your mother thought that bringing you to Rivendell and keeping you safe here was was what would be best for you because she knew you would be hunted all your life. She did what she thought was best. They talk more about the sword and he's like, the elves have the power to bring the sword together again into one piece, but only you can wield its power. And Aragorn says, I do not want that power. This is something that I think it's like added in again because he kind of says that already in the scene between him and and Arwen. Yeah. You get that implication. You understand that like this sword is very important to him, but he doesn't want it and he isn't ready for that and he wants nothing to do with that. So again, I understand why they cut this scene because there was stuff that you learned in it that you've already known or you pick up later on. Definitely. Yeah, but I do love Elrond and Aragorn butting heads or talking about anything. The idea that Elrond is kind of sort of Aragorn's father-in-law or he will be eventually yeah. And that Ar- he he sees Aragorn as like not living up to his full capabilities, and also he sees Aragorn as like stealing his daughter from him, <laughs> and it's just complicated. I I mm-hmm. do love to see these two guys talk about anything. Yeah, this scene gives us that little bit of information that like Aragorn was raised with the elves. It's part of why he has some uh, skills that normal humans don't have. It's part of why he speaks so much Elvish and it's why he's so close to the elves. I think it's nice. Yeah. See, I kind of like having that mystery without this scene of like, how does Aragorn know Elvish? Oh, he's just Aragorn. That's how, you know? (laughs) Yeah. All right. Our next scene is another one that was added in called The Departure of the Fellowship. And it's just like a very official send off for the Fellowship. Elrond is like, you have all the blessings of dwarves and elves and may you go in peace and this is a very crazy journey you're about to go on good luck with that uh and then arwen and and aragorn have a moment where they just stare at each other (laughs) however there is a great moment gandalf is like all right ring bearer you lead us and frodo starts leaving and then he like gets to a path and he's like do I go left or right? <laughs> Gandalf. <laughs> Which way is Mordor, left or right? And Gandalf is like, left. And I thought that was so funny because right before he said that, I was like, but Frodo literally said in the Council of Elrond, though I do not know the way. He yeah. doesn't know where he's <laughs> he going. He has no it's idea. Like, it's like when you're driving your friend home and they like stop giving you directions and you're like, hey, um, you need to let me know. Like, do I need to turn here? Do I stop at this light? What do I do here? You know? And, you're, and your friend's always like, oh, yeah, that was your turn. Sorry, my bad. Yeah. <laughs> Lord of the Rings, the movies, uh, sometimes from me specifically, catches flack for its sense of humor. Just once in a while, they'll have a joke that feels out of place in the story that they're telling. I'm thinking mm-hmm. specifically of the nervous system joke that Gimli makes uh, uh, where, where Legolas kills kills an orc that Gimli is sitting on. He's like, that orc was moving. You almost died. And Gimli's like, he was moving because my axe was embedded in his nervous system. And like, do they know what a nervous system is? What is a nervous system <laughs> in like, Middle Earth? How does an orc know what a menu is? Right. Oh exactly. my God. Me back on the menu. This orc has never seen <laughs> oh, or heard man. of a restaurant. Um, this orc can't read. <laughs> 
this this little scene i think is actually like pitch perfect for some humor in this moment yeah everything is so officious and grand and they're going off all with all of the blessings and elrond is presiding and frodo doesn't want to embarrass himself but they do need to go in the right direction <laughs> is that a left or right <laughs> get off help <laughs> You get that triumphant moment from Elrond at the end of the Council of Elrond. So again, I think that's why, you know, you don't necessarily need this scene because you you get a lot of those same feelings of like, oh, yeah, this is a very big, serious journey that's about to happen. This is very epic. We already got that moment. You shall uh, be before. the Fellowship of the Ring. <laughs> yeah, it was already it, perfect. He so, got to say the thing. So the next one that's extended is called The Ring Goes South. And literally the only thing that is extended about it is that when Boromir and Merry and Pippin are fighting Aragorn stands up and is like all right you two and goes to pull them off of Boromir and then (laughs) Merry and Pippin attack Aragorn and he gets his ass kicked by two (laughs) hobbits by two hobbits who could have just ended it all right there yeah and uh and that's all that's extended in that scene but I love it yeah uh Yeah. that that scene is my um it's one of my favorite Boromir moments because you see where Boromir has spent a lot of his life being like a big brother right like there's there's Mm -hmm. that side of him comes out when he's teaching the hobbits how to fight and defend themselves because it's like necessary and protective and playful he also does the thing where anyone who has an older sibling will, will know he does that where like he accidentally hurts one of them and he's like oh no I'm so sorry I'm so sorry like don't tell mom don't and then, tell mom and then, you and can then hit in me. comes the revenge he gets a yes. good <laughs> kick in the shin for it <laughs> uh, and so so having Aragorn get involved uh, I think it, it just kind of adds to that dynamic oh, it's too it's so fun it's also just nice because you don't see those you don't really get those moments in the book where everyone's just hanging out yeah, and it's just nice to have that. It's really sweet. This movie has the most hangoutitude of any of the Lord of the Rings movies. <laughs> like it, it is a measurable quantity, and it is all here. Yeah, and that's part of what makes it my favorite. Yep, this is a really nice scene, and a couple minutes or a couple of seconds cut from it, I think, does not really an extended scene make. I, I know. don't know, which is also for the next scene that is extended, the pass of Karadhas. Kar- Kar- I've never said that correctly. I don't care. Whatever. <laughs> um, none of us are Ian McKellen enough to pronounce it properly. I feel like he's the Karadhas. only one who can say it, or or Christopher Lee. The only thing at first I thought. That part of the extended edition was where Legolas is like, there's a, he's, you know, being typical ominous elf. And it's like, there's a fell voice on the air. No, that's in the theatrical edition too. Mm -hmm. Uh, The only thing that is extended about this is that there's just like a couple extra cut back and forth of, of Saruman doing his spell and, and the mountains like quaking or whatever. It's just Saruman being extra for a bit. (laughs) And, And that's it. And then next it just says Moria. And I was like, that's vague. Thank you for that. Because <laughs> like a good 20 to 30 minutes of this movie is Moria. So right. what about it is extended? It also, it says Moria, A Journey in the Dark, and Balin's Tomb, which are yeah. all the same. I thought they were all the same scene, but apparently it's it not. It all leads, yeah, one into the other. So walking to Moria, Gandalf pulls Frodo aside and kind of like checks on him. And then is like, how do you feel about the ring? You know, uh, maybe you should keep an eye on that, especially from people both outside 
and in the fellowship. Wink, wink. So just again, like really hammering it in. Hey, something in the fellowship is amiss here. In case you haven't picked up on our 20 other hints that we've dropped by now. Yeah, I don't mind this this part getting cut. And then Gimli says something about the walls of Moria being strong and about dwarves. And they call it a mine. A mine! A mine! <laughs> and, uh, and then, oh, this is, oh, I wish it had been included. Gandalf is going back and forth with the door, doing all these different things. And then Pippin is like, so what now? Gandalf gives a great line from the book. He says, I'll knock your head against these doors Peregrine took. And then at least I'll have no more stupid questions from you that I don't have time for. <laughs> and it's like very harsh. It's like, okay, Gandalf, good Lord. He was just asking a question. Gandalf is so mean to Pippin. Oh my God. It's such a funny moment and it's a great line. And so I wish that had been added in. And then yes, a journey in the dark extended. You get extra traveling. <laughs> and then there is a, an additional like scene that brings in more stuff from the books about Mithril. And it's the dwarves, oh, yeah. uh, like most treasured, valuable thing. And they're like, oh, now that I think about it, I think Bilbo had a, a Mithril chainmail shirt or whatever that was given to him. Where could it be? <laughs> he, I don't know what happened to it, but I never told him that it's probably worth more than the entire Shire combined it's a princely <laughs> gift for sure <laughs> and then uh, and then like cut to frodo being like Ugh. <laughs> just casually wearing it under my shirt and uh it does make it a little bit funnier later on when he reveals that he's wearing it and gimli is like you are full of surprises master baggins <laughs> that's Aww. a great gimli spot thank on. you thank you thank you <laughs> And then Balin's tomb, it was just more action is all it was. More cave troll. This is one of my favorite combat encounters in Lord of the Rings. The whole fellowship against this cave troll and its, you know, group of goblins around it. It's awesome. Uh, any more of it that we can get is cool. But Yeah, you see them working together. Yeah. It doesn't feel extended. No, no, definitely not. I think it was only like, you know, like 30 seconds to a minute longer, maybe. So our next uh, scene it says extended. I would say that this is more added than anything is when they're in Lothlorien. They make it more like the books here where it's a lot harder for them to pass through Lothlorien because in theatrical edition, the elves show up and they're like, you can't turn back anymore. You have to come this way. We're not going to let you get out of here without us, I don't know, inspecting you first or, or whatever. But in the extended edition, they take everyone aside onto this like platform. It's literally exactly what happened in the books, actually. And there's a lot more, you know, back and forth and trouble of them trying to get into Lothlorien. So one thing that just really, it confused me and it kind of shocked me. And I went back and I put the commentary on for this scene to see if someone would bring it up. Gimli looks terrible in this scene. He does. And I know that John Rhys-Davies had an allergic reaction to the makeup. So I was like, was this one of those days when he had a reaction and they just like didn't refilm it? <laughs> he looks really weird. Was that just me? No, he totally does. And I, I think that's exactly it. I think it was just a no helmet. I can't deal with this hair and makeup right now kind of thing. Because yeah, he had a horrible series of reactions to various uh, various 
products and prosthetics. And yeah, he just he looks really bad without the helmet too. That's like a the the hair's plastered to his head and his yeah, ears are sticking he's got out. Helmet hair, yeah. Yeah. He looks yeah, it's not a good look for him at all. And I, I totally see why they cut that. There is a part of this scene like I like I my note here is I would watch a whole movie in Lorien if it meant that oh, we got same. to hang out with handsome Haldir. Like, yes, <laughs> and just him like talking Shire about dwarves. I, I, like a whole movie of that is welcome. It's extremely welcome. But also when they're up, like when they're hanging out in the trees, there's a moment that I think is really interesting where everybody's kind of sitting off by themselves, and Frodo looks around, and yes. they all kind of, he catches all of them kind of looking at him and then looking away. And it's like after Haldir says, like, you bring great evil to this place. Mm -hmm. And so they're all like, ooh, they know he's bringing great evil. But something about the way that Haldir says it has them all kind of like looking at him and then looking away really fast. Like they're not talking about him. And Boromir is the one that like comforts him. I don't know. So so about that. Yeah. So this is something that is an extended edition world, but they cut it out. But there are pieces of the scene that are still left in the theatrical edition during the Mirror of Galadriel, which was like really confusing when I didn't have this scene to be like, oh, that's where that's from. Yeah, so Haldir is saying like, you can't come in, you're bringing this evil ring. Also, you have a dwarf. Dwarfs. (laughs) And I kind of interpreted that part a little bit differently because you see everyone, yeah, everyone's sitting off to their side and they're all look, you know, looking at Frodo and then like Frodo looks up and I kind of interpreted it as like they're not looking at him like oh you're bringing in this evil thing they're just kind of you know they're just hang- they're just sitting around they're looking around their eyes go wherever they go Legolas like oh makes contact with Frodo does the classic like white white people half smile thing and then looks away but I think in Frodo's mind because he has the ring and that burden on him he reads it as oh my god they're all staring at me and they're all thinking they're all like blaming me and they all hate me and they're like turning away from me because they don't want to be with me anymore and I think when you take the ring out of the situation it's just like no they're just sitting around and it's the effect of the ring that's made Frodo feel negatively and think that everyone hates him I think that's totally accurate except for why then why is Sam off by himself like it doesn't make sense to me that Sam wouldn't be like hi Mr. Frodo like let's hang out we're we're in a tree with the elves Mr. Frodo (laughs) (laughs) I'm assuming a lot of time has passed since it's dark now so maybe i don't know you know maybe they're they're out of stuff to talk about right now i guess so yeah i don't know (laughs) i don't know yeah i would like that like i said before more you know of the rings effects on on people in general would be really welcome i i think the the movie's also doing a little bit of anybody could be the betrayer which (laughs) has always felt really um needless like we know it's boromir (laughs) we know it's boromir and everything else in the movie is pointing towards it's gonna be boromir yeah yeah like i mentioned i turned the commentary on just for this section of the movie and i think it was peter jackson who was speaking i haven't like gotten to a point where i like recognize their voices yet and he was saying that they cut so much of the elf stuff because it reached a point in the movie you just had this climactic scene kind of with Gandalf and Moria and now it's like okay can we start ending that we're on hour two (laughs) can we start reaching towards an ending point for this movie and so they ended up having to cut a lot of the elf stuff because it was it was really messing with the pacing when they 
go to the elves in the books, they're there for several chapters. Things kind of slow down a lot and that can't really happen in the movie. And like, I under, I totally get that. And I, I do agree that like when you keep all of this elf stuff in, it does cut down on the pacing a lot and it kind of starts dragging at some points. But at the same time, there are certain things that I feel like in the theatrical edition, especially in this part of the movie, it almost feels rushed without these things. Because I could tell, like, I could just tell that so much had been cut and it felt like things were missing to me. So I, I, I wonder, like, how I would have felt if these things that they say, like, oh, we cut them for pacing issues. I wonder if that actually would have helped if they had kept those in originally. Yeah, we get an outside Karas, another thing I I haven't ever pronounced. Karas Galathon. Yeah. (laughs) Um, You get an outside look of Lothlorien. You get a a much more extended walkthrough of Lothlorien as they're like approaching Galadriel and Celeborn. Then later on, an additional scene is when the the elves are singing this lament for Gandalf and Sam stands up and is like, I bet they're not singing of his fireworks and then gives a little passage. And then everyone's kind of like, that was weird. And then he just like sits down. So cute. It's so Sam is so overcome by grief that he just has to speak some poetry. I love it. It's so sweet. He just, he tries so hard. Yeah. And it's awful. And then he like doesn't get a reaction out of anyone. (laughs) And it's like, okay, I'll just, uh, I'll go to bed now. Okay. (laughs) And then the next scene that says it's extended is the mirror of Galadriel. Again, another moment where I was like, I don't get what was extended. Except for, I think it's literally two lines. Galadriel shows her ring, Ninja, which I can't believe I haven't ever made a What's Ninja? Ninja business. Oh. <laughs> Can't believe I've never made that joke before. But anyway. And she's like, this is my ring, Ninja. And then that's it. <laughs> yeah, no no, spe- no speaking of her actual abilities or powers granted by the ring or why being a ring bearer is a heavy burden. Just, yeah. I have a ring too. Yeah. And <laughs> the only reason you need to know that is for Return of the King so that you know she can get on the, the ship. And well, I guess she's an elf, so that could, she could do that anyway. But um, and then the next scene that is extended is very extended is the farewell to Lorien. So it starts off with them boarding the boats and Legolas pulls out a pack of lame bus and takes a tiny bite. And he's like, ah, lame bus bread enough to, <laughs> to fill your stomach for hours with a single bite. And then Mary and Pippin are sitting there and looking like really ashamed or whatever. And Mary's like, so how much did you eat? And Pippin goes, four. four. (laughs) So good. I loved it. Oh, my God. Lembus bread. That is so funny. But I I think that's another example of like what Buddy was saying about the humor of, of the films. Like outright jokes like that don't happen often. And so when they do happen, it's a little jarring. I don't know. It wasn't really that much for me because it's Mary and Pippin and oh, like, that's precious. their purpose. You I, know? I do think this one lands more than some of Gimli's later. <laughs> I feel like Gimli becomes an unfair punt punching bag later in the movie yeah he Uh, has a couple of those moments that i are kind of like okay that's weird i don't know why it's like not not cool why would you do gimli like that but this is in character for mary and pippin and they're hobbits so they eat like that's just what they do right uh it works oh and then they are all cloaked with their elf cloaks 
And you get that context that is very important for a certain scene with a rock in two towers. (laughs) Yep. Um, And Galadriel's like, you will be hidden from your enemies whenever you need it. Vague elf magic in the form of a cloak, basically. As they're rowing away, it goes to each character and shows the gifts that Galadriel gave them. Merry and Pippin get two daggers. Sam gets some rope. Because why would he need a box of dirt when there's no scouring of the Shire in the movie? You tell me. Hmm. Hmm. Um, (laughs) Legolas gets a bow. Aragorn gets a, like, sword that I don't know what the significance of it was. Because it's, I don't remember what he gets in the books, but I think they they give him, like, a cur. It looks like a pirate sword. Yeah, isn't it a a knife? Is it, like, a dagger of some kind? I don't even remember. I think it's bigger than a dagger, though. (sighs) So I don't know what this, it looked like when he pulled it out of the sheath, there was some like elvish uh, inscribed on it. And I, I was like, I don't know what the significance of this is because he's supposed to have, his, he's supposed to have Andrew with him right now because that's what happens in the books. He's already supposed to have it with uh, him. But no, whatever. then you don't get that big reveal of it I in Return know, of the King. Whatever. <laughs> Uh, this scene with the gift giving, I think is really, it's really nice, but it is really long. Yeah. And then Frodo gets the, this is the only part that was kept in for the theatrical version. He gets the light of Aaron deal. Mm-hmm. Our yeah. most sacred star. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, and that, yeah. So I just have a theatrical edition was like, and for Frodo, the light of Aaron deal. And none for Gretchen Wieners. Bye. <laughs> So this is, I will say, I think this is the one part of the elf stuff that I think would have been better if they had kept it in, because this is where when they're leaving, because let me see if I remember this. So I think you have the mirror of Galadriel and then it cuts to Saruman doing orc stuff and then it cuts back to them leaving Lothlorien. It's very sudden, it feels to me, or it felt to me at least. That was most where I was like, I feel like something was missing there that they just rushed through and glossed over so that they could keep, you know, get things going again. Even though, yes, it is a long scene, it adds a little bit of closure for, I think that's what it is, is that they're all of a sudden just like, there's like no goodbye for the elves. It's just like they're just on to something else. They just like didn't really address that. I think like re-equipping our heroes at this point is like a, a nice button on this mm-hmm. segment of the adventure. Uh, it does risk, and I think this might have been why they cut it, because like you were saying, this is, we're getting towards the end of the movie. Yeah. This feels like they're gearing up for more adventures. Uh, yeah. And, that, mm-hmm. and, and you want to see these cool items get used. Like, it's all this magic loot, right? But each of the items provides a little character moment, gives us that closure, and kind of makes everything up through Lothlorien, especially all of the trials and tribulations in Moria, feel more rewarding, literally. And one thing I don't think we talk about enough is, is Gimli in this scene. Gimli in this right. scene is so important. He, yeah, so first when it's like cutting back and forth between each of the characters and there's like a little flashback showing their moment with Galadriel, he's just like, thank you so much for not killing me. And actually, you're pretty cool and you're also beautiful and I love you now. <laughs> and Galadriel's like, can I give you something? And Gimli's like, well, I mean, it's it's really silly. No, it's too stupid to ask. And then you're and then it cuts away and you're like, what did he ask for? Okay. And then it 
comes back to Legolas and, and Gimli talking or whatever, and he's like, I asked for a lock of her hair, and she gave me three. The sweetest thing in the whole world, and but, it's super important. But it's also, like, weirdly creepy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I think... The whole thing leading up to meeting Galadriel is, you know, there's a a witch in these woods and she's evil and don't Mm. look at her or she'll bewitch you. And then Gimli, Gimli comes around on that, right? Like, he is utterly smitten and bewitched. And he's kind of cool with it because he's learning to, like, accept elves and be less suspicious. It's really good. It's really good. And there's a really good, like, lore reason why him asking for Galadriel's hair is so special. It's in the Unfinished Tales. It's a story about Finor, who is considered, like, the greatest of all heroes. Finor asks Galadriel for her hair. He asks her three times, and she and she denies him three times. Because apparently her hair, like, literally embodies the light of the trees of Valinor, aka uh, Elf Heaven. So he's like, I want some of that. I want to take Valinor like with me as I go. Mm. And she's like, no, absolutely not. You can't. So when Gimli asks, she consents that that he has the heart of a hero. He is worthy of this gift. And uh, so it's like a deep, deep Tolkien cut that is just, it's, it feels good to know that and to know that Gimli is that good of a person. It also adds to my headcanon that part of the elves' magic is keeping their hair in such a luxurious state that no matter what, it just looks like they're always in a Pantene commercial. It's true. It's absolutely, it's part, yeah. it's worked into it. It's <laughs> it's my one of my favorite parts of Two Towers is when they the Rohirrim are circling Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli, and Aragorn is you know filthy, dirty, sweaty. His hair is like mangled, and then like cut to Legolas, he has like a little bit of dirt on his face, <laughs> and like and his hair still looks worse. perfect. <laughs> like wow, you guys really have traveled far. The elf has a smudge <laughs> yeah. on his face. <laughs> exactly. Um, So the next scene, it's called the Great River. And then the scene following that is the breaking of the fellowship. And I'm not sure, like, which part. I'm not sure. Because as far as I could tell, the breaking of the fellowship, there was nothing that was extended. And I was trying to find, like, what part of the movie the breaking of the fellowship referred to. And I was like, is it about this scene that happens beforehand? I don't know. So the Great River... There's this scene where they get, they they stop for the night to rest, and uh, Boromir and Aragorn are sitting off to the side, and you see a bit of Gollum, and he's, like, swimming on a log, (laughs) and Aragorn says that, he's like, oh, I thought we had lost him in Lorien, but it looks like he's following us, that sucks. So I guess, you know, just, like, another reminder of, like, hey, here's Gollum, (laughs) don't forget about him, Frodo... And Sam have a conversation and this, you know, the purpose of this is to show this like increasing burden that the ring is having on Frodo and also this, you know, idea that he has this very big decision to make that he was talking about with Galadriel. He knows what he has to do, which is he has to set out on his own, but he doesn't want to and he's afraid to. He's like trying to distance himself, I guess, is what's happening here from everyone and and Sam. Because Sam says, like, oh, you need to sleep, you need to eat. And Frodo's like, you don't understand what I'm going through. 
And this also, and ba- you know, basically tells Sam, like, you can't help me. And to me, this explains why later on in the scene where they're like, hey, where's Frodo, the one person we're supposed to be guarding? Uh, Sam is like sitting off by himself, distance from the group. He's not paying attention. And I remember thinking like, that was, that's so weird because his whole shtick, like he has a whole freak out in the cornfield when Frodo, he like loses sight of him. And then at the end of the movie, obviously, because Gandalf told him to watch Frodo and to look after him. And so it seems so weird to me that in this moment, Sam wasn't watching Frodo and Frodo disappeared. So I think this scene kind of explains that a little bit, that there's this growing distance between them because because of the ring. Yeah. And then one more thing that happens in this scene is Aragorn and oh, Boromir. <laughs> Why is it now, like a year and a half into this, that I'm like, I don't know who any of these people are. <laughs> I don't know what their names are. Aragorn and Boromir are having a conversation about the ring and what to do and where because Boromir says let's go to my city let's go to Minas Tirith that will be the safest route we can use it for Gondor and take down Sauron that I don't know whatever Aragorn hits him with a savage line he says I will not lead the ring within a hundred leagues of your city and and that's just like the final you know blow kind of between them this was the point where I was wondering, like, oh, so is this what is called the breaking of the fellowship in the movie? I don't know. But anyway, yeah, this scene, I understand why it was cut, because I think you you do get a lot of understanding of what happens in this scene through other things. But I think ultimately it came down to they were like, this is getting long, guys. We got to <laughs> we got to cut this out. I agree. I can't figure out either what extended part of the breaking of the fellowship exists yes um because i think the breaking of the fellowship is a 20 minute process the whole thing as as they are running from the orcs and fighting some of them yeah so confused about yeah so the the next scene and i try i i went through the whole thing of like i was like so is quote unquote the breaking of the fellowship is that when they're standing around talking about where to go and then Frodo disappears. I was like, nope, those were the exact same. Is it the scene where Boromir tries to take the ring from Frodo? Nope, that was the same. Is it the scene where Aragorn and Frodo talk and Aragorn's like, yes, you have to go off on your own? Nope, that wasn't it. So I don't know what it was. Uh, If anyone listening does, great, good for you. But clearly it wasn't anything, you know, major because we would have noticed it, you know. Was the breaking of the fellowship a chapter on the DVD? Maybe, and th- I haven't looked at the the DVD menu yet, but I would bet that that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. And so it's like a like scenes in whatever chapter of the DVD that is. Whether is it like an extended, a couple extra hits that Aragorn gets on Lurts the Urukai? Like I one don't, does like- not simply watch that scene and not mention that the knife that goes flying at Vigo Mortensen's Was face thing. is actually blocked by his sword it wasn't planned yeah they're like i don't remember the details but somehow a knife actually got thrown at vigo and he deflected it with his sword like a boss he is aragorn he, he is, is a he is. literally literally method not acting, acting. <laughs> allison buddy i i've been doing a segment i call is vigo mortensen actually a ranger yes during the like regular episodes on the movies 
I just share a random fact about Viggo Mortensen that's like he, you know, actually used a real sword instead of a fake, a safer and lighter rubber sword. And he got his tooth chipped in a scene and just wanted Peter Jackson to glue it back on. But Peter Jackson was like, you have to go to the dentist. Kicked a helmet, no. and, broke, kicked a helmet and broke a stove. Yes, uh, of course. I of will course, share of that. Of course, the kick the, the helmet and broke the toe moment is uh, you must mention it when you see it. And I uh, I like didn't have any trivia plan for this episode because it would probably you know it would just be more of the same from the theatrical episodes. But um, I love that I, we were able to bring yeah. up an, an unintentional is Viggo Mortensen actually a ranger moment. Yes, it's the answer that... is yes. He he still is. <laughs> okay, so the last two scenes that are extended are Boromir's Last Stand and the departure of Boromir. Boromir's Last Stand extended is just, it just adds more action to the scene, um, which normally, you know, I've been kind of like brushing off for the other scenes that do this, but this one actually is different because in the extended edition, you see Merry and Pippin fighting. They're using their swords, they're killing orcs, they're throwing rocks at them, yeah. which I think is funny because that's also what they do um, at Isengard and the next, like that's apparently their go-to move. You it know? is the strongest uh, weapon in Middle-earth is a thrown rock. <laughs> yeah, a rock <laughs> in the hand of a hobbit, exactly. <laughs> and I like this part because when I was watching theatrical, I was like, oh my God, Mary and Pippin, you're just standing there. Do something, do something. And they actually did. They did do something. It was just cut. <laughs> that is unfortunate. I didn't realize that that was cut. Mm-hmm. I, uh, maybe I just see it in my head at all times. But the I, I tweeted this the other day too. Yeah, that I saw do, that. the look on Dominic Monaghan's face when Boromir gets hit with that second arrow when he's Oof. like, "Oh, he is not gonna yeah. come out of this one." He's got a rock in his hand at that point, and he's like, "Oh, ho- he's I holding a that. he's holding a rock in his hand like he was gonna throw it." And then they just kind of stop and stand there and then get grabbed. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I just like missed. That yeah. I, I missed that you didn't see them throwing the rocks like before that. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. So there is still in the theatrical version, they do still after Boromir like falls to his knees and they realize, oh, it, he's not going to be able to protect us anymore. They do still like charge at the orcs and then immediately <laughs> get picked get up. They just get scooped. scooped up. They yeah. just get scooped real quick. So that's Boromir's last stand extended. And then the departure of Boromir extended. Again, another moment where it's like, is this really extended? After he dies, Aragorn stands up and says, like, the White Tower will be looking for him, but he will not return. And that's it. And that's it. That's it. Yep. <laughs> he, he lets one tear drop down his face and it's very dramatic. And um, so that'll kind of lead into I wanted to talk about really quick because I know we've been talking forever now <laughs> um, about some of the things that I was so certain would be extended edition, but was not. And seeing the name of one of the scenes being called Departure of Boromir, I thought that was going to be um, between uh, what happens. I think Frodo and Sam go off and then it cuts to Boromir going down the waterfall in the boat. Um, I thought for sure there would be an extended edition scene showing uh, them having this, you know, funeral of sorts for Boromir, which is what happens in the book in the chapter called The Departure of Boromir. So I thought, I was like so certain that there was going to be some kind of, you know, goodbye or ceremony that they do. 
because it seems really random that he's just that they just put him in a boat and ship him off down the river, down a waterfall. Bye. <laughs> yeah. I thought that I was, you know, that was something that kind of like, you know, surprised me. And then one more that I I was I was <laughs> adamant would be an extended edition and I'm just heartbroken it isn't there is no introduction to Bill the Pony in Brie no I thought there would be a scene where they go and get him and and he you learn that his name is Bill literally the only thing the only Bill the Pony content we have is when Sam Aragorn is like he'll be okay Sam the the mines are no place for a pony, but but he'll he'll know the way home. It's okay, and that's bye bye it. Bill. Bye Bill. <laughs> Heartbroken. I know yeah, you just Bill's build a, a pony. pony. Bill the pony just shows up like the magical being that he is, and then Bill he's the got to go home. Bye Bill. Rip. I, I guess I, I guess never stood a chance in these movies. This this movie has the least horse stuff in it <laughs> in, of all the movies like in in uh two towers we'll get all sorts of stuff with shadow facts and brago and they'll like do horse oh, things th- so that is something that i really wish i knew it would have made no sense because bill the pony wasn't aragorn's horse but i wish with all of my heart when aragorn has that random plot that is not in the books at all by the way and i will rant about when we get there for the movie <laughs> coverage my friends don't you worry um I wanted so badly for the horse that finds him to be Bill the Pony. There you go. That would have been so, because you have no, you don't know that he has a horse that he's already named. I don't think he, you know, has a moment with the horse before then. So you're not like, oh, that's his horse. Okay. They kind of do because uh, he's like the wild one in the stable, right? Or is this extended edition? I think edition that's extended. Only? It might be extended then. Oh, it's extended. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah, in the extended edition, he gets a moment with the horsey. <laughs> of <Yeah>. course. <laughs> and they're like, oh, nobody's been able to tame that horse. And, oh, my and God. Vigo whispers to the horse, and, and the so horse calms cute. down. Aragorn has the exact same plot line of the meat felicity book in the American Girl it's Doll book true. series. It's, it's true. literally <laughs> like, no one, oh, no one can tame that horse. I can. Oh. I'm special. Um, thank, thank you for this deep cut American girl, historical American girl um, reference. Cause oh, yeah. that's my life. <laughs> oh, I love the American girl dolls. They're people, people have been making fun cause they are releasing a new one that they're calling the, it's the next historical one. And it's from the eighties. Are the eighties really historical now? And they're like making fun of it. And I'm like, no, this is amazing. Cause she, her backstory is that like she codes and she plays video games. And I'm like, that's awesome. That's like that's a great female empowerment thing for little girls to the have 1980s in their, in their were dolls 100 years ago like <laughs> like they've been so so it's I mean, last century man. did they forget that they made julie the girl from the 70s like it, it's been at least a decade since julie's been out so yeah it's but the time 70s i don't know if felt... she was in the like the what they consider like the actual lineup of the of the dolls i think she might have just been like an extra one but she's still like a, the girl from the 70s 70s and she yeah. gets 70s, yeah. 70s themed always books felt so much older than the 80s That's, like more yeah. than 10 years older than the 80s you know what i mean it, yeah it feels, it feels like, like a, the 80s were 15 years ago <laughs> the 90 i say this i wasn't alive the during were, the 80s <laughs> the 90s were 10 years ago the 80s always, were 15 always. years ago and the 70s were 30 years ago no for me the <laughs> 70s were 50 years ago <laughs> 
but but the 90s were five years ago that so. makes sense yeah uh alice i think you you tweeted about like y2k meant not that the computers would all freeze but, but that, that our brains, brains would did. yeah i did tweet that i saw somebody being like like no the 90s were 10 years ago and you're never going to be able to change that uh for me and i was like yes it's because y2k broke our brains our you brains count past 2000 our, our brains froze at 11 59 59 uh, on, on 1999, on 1999. Yeah. and yeah, and they were like, "Oh my God, Y2K! All the computers are gonna break." No, the only computer that broke was your brain computer. <laughs> it's you know, nice, I, yeah. MC, I got I got a question for you about stuff that wasn't in the extended edition that maybe you were expecting or maybe you really weren't because yeah, sure. nobody ever talks about it. Like this is the big omission, but there's no Tom Bombadil. Yes. Oh, I b- b- I have talked a lot about about that on the in the theatrical <laughs> versions, much to the chagrin of literally everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Every literally everyone is like we do not care. Yeah, we we really don't the movie watchers. <laughs> no. Um, no, we really like, don't. You're to, the only one I know that cares about Tom Bombadil. So, so, so to an extent, I don't actually care that much. It's it's gotten to a point where I just do it now for laughs because like it's a ru- it's a running joke now with me and the podcast. So I mostly just do that just for fun and to like you know pull everyone's legs. But the, I mean, uh, there was a part of me, and I learned. So I learned that they did have something planned for him where. They were supposed to be, they were going to be, the hobbits were walking through the woods and then they hear someone singing and they like look around and you see someone wearing a yellow hat like flashes in and out of the trees and that's it. Mm. And I was like, and and they apparently ran out of time and didn't film that. And I would have appreciated that so much. Like even that would have made me so happy because it's it's just a Easter egg moment for the readers. And my main qualm is just, I think the same qualm that everyone has with Tom Bombadil, which is that he's so random and unexplained. And Tolkien invented this enigma of a character and then realized he made him too powerful for his own good. And because of that, he couldn't include him in any more of the story. Otherwise, it would go way too easily. And so he just left him alone and pretended like he doesn't exist anymore. It's it's a perfect little like it's so Tolkien. Like that's yeah. it's such a <laughs> such a Tolkien thing to do. Get too caught up in your own lore that you forget what storytelling needs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to create a god of the forest that necessarily is disinterested in everything that's going on in my story. Otherwise, uh-huh. it's over. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah, a lot of people are like, well, 30 extra minutes and they still couldn't fit Tom Bombadil in, but movie watchers have never cared in my in, in my experience. I know. And I will, I will, I understand that. I, not only am I, like, in the minority, I am the minority. It's just me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. That brings us to the end of our discussion of Fellowship of the Ring Extended Edition. Yay. Uh, thank you guys so much for joining me to discuss this. Where can people find you on the internet? Alice and I produce several podcasts, perhaps the most well-known of which is called Those Happy Places. It's a podcast that treats theme parks, rides, and attractions like literature. Uh, We just released a brand new episode that revisits the Haunted Mansion, uh, which is perfect listening for this fall season. Um, So if you like 
theme parks, if you like rides and attractions, definitely check out our show, Those Happy Places. You can follow it on Twitter at Happy Places Pod. Yeah, follow the show on Twitter at Happy Places Pod or check it out at thosehappyplaces.com. And then you can find us uh, individually on Twitter as well. I'm always on Twitter constantly without stopping. Um, I'm on Twitter and on Instagram, actually, at Alice White THP for Those Happy Places. Yeah, and I'm at Buddy underscore Duquesne. Duquesne is spelled D-U-Q-U-E-S-N-E. Awesome. That's what I'm talking about as a proud member of WBNE. You can learn more about the network by going to WBNE.org where you will find more shows like this one. Hi, I'm Eenie. And I'm Becca. And we host the casual musical theater podcast, Sincerely Us. We break down all the themes, motifs, and plot lines of your favorite musicals while also having fun and sharing our love for the craft. We cover new shows, old shows, popular shows, and everything in between. Everything from Hamilton all the way back to She Loves Me and beyond. We keep things light, explain in detail, and try to make the topic of musical theater accessible to everyone. So whether you've been into theater your entire life or have just gotten into it after seeing Hamilton, this is the show for you. With new episodes every Wednesday on WBNE.org or wherever you get your podcasts. And now on Spotify. The cover is by Graphite, a.k.a. Vaishan Brandon. You can support him on Instagram at graphite.vmb. You can find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at TolkienAboutPod. And you can also join our Facebook group. You can follow me on Twitter at MCWhatsApp and Instagram at MCTurnDownForWhat. And also for... Like the first time ever, I'm going to plug my TikTok <laughs> because I've been literally only making Lord of the Rings TikToks lately. I have to like force my brain to think of non Lord of the Rings related TikToks these days. So <laughs> so you can follow me at MC WhatsApp. Currently, I have a I have an Aragorn thirst TikTok blowing up. So uh, <laughs> that's that's fun for me. <laughs> Anyway, if you want to support the podcast, you can do so at patreon.com slash Tolkien. Nope. Wait. Yeah. Yeah. Slash Tolkien about pod. Sometimes I'm not sure of the words that come out of my mouth until they already come out of my mouth. This week's episode sponsor is Christina Khan. Christina, one of my one of my pals and, and host of the restricted section and guest on the podcast um, is a patron now. And thank you so much for your support. I appreciate that so much. I think that that's it. Yes. Allison, buddy, do you guys have any parting words for the audience? Uh, just thank you, MC, for bringing us along on this journey for now, I believe the fifth time we've appeared on the show. Oh, my gosh. Um, and I, I really hope that the rest of your extended edition adventures um, are just as uh, fulfilling as this one. Awesome. Thank you. And that's what I'm talking about. Thank you.